This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Well, coronavirus, as we know, is threatening more than just Americans' health. It's also affecting our pocketbooks as the markets rise and fall. And Congress and the Trump administration are working out a plan to bail out both American businesses and American citizens. And another issue to consider, how will this coronavirus shutdown of our society affect churches, which are dependent upon weekly giving in order to keep their operations going, too? We're going to get some thoughts on all of it now from Dan Celia, president and CEO of Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries and the great radio and TV host of Financial Issues. Great to have you with us, Dan. How are you? Janet, it is great to be with you. It's been a while. I'm glad um, uh, we're together again here for this. I sure appreciate you asking me. I hope I can uh, give you some insight. Oh, well, we're so glad to have you here. This is a time when I think a lot of people need some reassurance. How are you seeing the current and potential economic repercussions panning out concerning this coronavirus pandemic. How concerned are you about the effects of it on the economy? Well, I'll say this much, uh, Janet, I'm a whole lot more concerned today than I was uh, this time last week, for that matter, even earlier in the week, uh, this week. It just seems to be getting a little bit more work. It's getting worse every day. It's getting more. um, I think what's happening is the reality of exactly what is happening in the markets and in the economy is becoming more and more apparent every day. Uh, I heard uh, President Trump speaking yesterday and uh, Steve Mnuchin as well. And Steve Mnuchin, uh, Treasury Secretary, indicating that we could see 20 percent unemployment rate uh, before too long. Right. Uh, We're we're getting into uh, depression levels if we see that be it uh, temporary, but it's going to be a very difficult thing. So I see uh, the economy continuing to worsen every single day. The markets are going to continue to react to that, obviously, as they have been. So I don't see really any end in sight there. But I think it's going to be, and I know uh, we don't, I'll speak for me, I don't like to say this, but we're going to be very dependent upon the government. Yeah. And uh, that is a scary, scary place to be. But so far, they seem to be doing a great job, I think. But they've got to do more. They've got to, they've got to come out with some very uh, definitive plans for businesses, small businesses, large businesses, before we start getting into the bankruptcies. And uh, we're likely to see hotel, hotel travel industry uh, going bankrupt first, followed by airlines. Yep. Uh, some big industrial uh, organizations like Boeing, uh, this could have a dramatic impact. Uh, the, the administration, the government, has to step in in a very big way, and they have to do it very quickly. And i got to say, Janet, I have never seen, I don't think I'll ever see it again, a government work as fast as they have 
under their conditions. Some yeah. are complaining it's not fast enough. But, you know, it's really amazing how they have pulled together the private sector and every department of the government to work together, but do it very quickly, very efficiently, and very effectively without all the red tape garbage uh, that that we see most of the time. Right, because with President Trump, you, you have a businessman who is used to cutting through red tape to get stuff done. He's all about getting stuff done. But I, I'm curious to ask for your opinion on this, Dan, because th- for a lot of people, they're saying, well, we're told it has to be a 15-day period to try to get through this, and everybody kind of has to hunker down, don't get in groups of more than 50 people, all of the things that they've been telling us to do. And yet this the, the same situation, 15 days to be in a depression for a lot of Americans, they don't really understand. Why is that? If it's only 15 days that we all have to hunker down before this thing starts to dissipate, why is a potential global recession and or depression on the horizon when it's of such a finite period of time that we would all have to stop down? Well, because what's going to happen is that that 15 days, I think it's going to be more like 30, but that 15 days, it's going to have a dramatic impact on the, on the economy. Remember, Janet, we are a consumer-driven economy. Yep. We are not Japan or China or any other export, or most of the Eurozone, for that matter, an export-driven economy. So we are basically stopping the economic engine of the economy. Yep. And the economic engine of the economy... And the economy itself, depending on that, is dependent upon it being consistent for, you know, all times. That's what, you know, generally when there's a recession, when there's a problem in the economy, there's a gradual downturn. You can see it coming. You begin to see indicators. uh, You can prepare for it. You know it is coming. But if we went from... Uh, 4.5%, 3.5% unemployment to 20% in a matter of 30 days. You can't just stop that spiral downward. Right. It, it, there is so much uh, reaction in so many different indices that it trickles through, and it's very, very difficult to get it up and running again to the point where it just begins to feed off itself in a negative way. And that's why I say the government now immediately has to do something. I'm, I'm all for trying to help the people, don't get me wrong, but they have to do something for business. And they have to do something big, and they have to do it now. Right. And because that's going to help the people. To get over, yeah. Well, this is the thing when we're talking about a government bailout, for example, the airlines want fifty billion dollars. It's been discussed sending a thousand dollars or even two payments of a thousand dollars to every American. They are now talking about you know maybe bailing out other sectors of the economy. And in I was reading one economic expert predicting this is going to be worse than the Great Financial Crisis. This could cost up to two trillion dollars in order to avoid a global depression. Would you say it's that dire, $2 trillion? And and what about those Americans who are more conservative who say, wait a minute, we're already so deeply in debt as a, as a nation already, $2 trillion, where are we going to get all this money? What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, it's really hard. I, I, 
first of all, it's much, we're already very close to two trillion. And if you count what the Federal Reserve has done on Sunday, that was a trillion dollars that everybody nobody's counting. Uh, they did some more on Monday. Yeah. So um, we're, we're, a lot of this is shifting from our balance sheet here at the government to the Federal Reserve, and that's going to continue to happen. So this is going to be far, far bigger than anything that we did. And it is uh, now I'll tell you what I've been calling this. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, I, it's not stimulus money. It's really relief money. And I think that it doesn't help. It doesn't help the overall situation of our debt. It's not going to help that. But the fact of the matter is, we are in a relief effort mode here. This is not the financial crisis where we saw banks got way over leveraged, way overextended, didn't have any equity. We right. had, uh, you know, all these bad uh, mortgages, bad loans, and so on and so forth. This isn't that kind of thing. This is not self-inflicted. This is a black swan event. And it was totally unpredictable. And right now, it's impacting every single person and every state and county in the country. Yep. This is a relief effort. Now, does it make it better from a debt perspective? But at the same time, from a political perspective, we need to keep that in mind. Yeah. And so when we hear, well, President Trump ran us into debt. No, President Trump was trying to spend money on a relief effort to keep us from getting worse and worse and worse right. from this pandemic. And we've got to really take a look at that and, and, and change the way the left is framing this as if it were a, uh, a bailout of the economy or Wall Street, and we are doing this to stimulate the economy. No, that's what Obama and George Bush did. Yep, exactly. At the very beginning. Of the exactly. Crisis. That's not what's going on here. That isn't what's going on here. We're going to pause for a break. Dan Celia with us. We're going to come back talking about coronavirus and the future of the American economy. Stay with us. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up with Liberty HealthShare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty HealthShare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty HealthShare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty HealthShare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org JMT for more information. libertyhealthshare.org JMT. If you could ease the suffering of a persecuted Christian right now, would you? Hi, it's Janet Mefford, and I know you would. Hebrews 13.3 urges us to remember those who are persecuted, noting that when the body of Christ anywhere suffers, we suffer together. These believers live where evangelism is criminalized, where churches are burned, and where Bibles are scarce. They need the hope found only in God's Word, and your gift today lets them know they're not forgotten. For only $5, a believer like Anna in Africa 
will receive a Bible, be discipled in her new faith, and trained to share Christ. $35 sends seven Bibles, $100 sends 20, and a limited time Bible for Bible match will help us meet our goal of sending the hope of God's Word to 1,200 persecuted Christians. Become a Bible sender today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Once again, call now, 800-YES-WORD. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us and glad to have with us Dan Celia, President and CEO of Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries and great radio and TV host of Financial Issues. We're talking about the economic impact of the coronavirus crisis. And it's happened so quickly, Dan. A lot of people, I think, are taken by surprise because it's just, as you say, we're a consumer-driven economy and we're seeing things fall apart very quickly with the consumer sector. One of the things that many people have asked is, how much does the length of time that we're all quarantined matter? If the number of deaths, for example, begins to go down significantly within the next few weeks, the 15 days ends up working and we see those numbers beginning to fall, people get more confident, they open schools up again. Can the economy, in your opinion, rebound fairly quickly? Yes. I think if it happens uh, like that in 15 days, because uh, I was talking earlier about the spiral downward. So it's going to be a spiral downward that we're going to be able to catch and stop. Uh, All the harm from an unemployment perspective, from a business perspective and profit profits, there's going to be some pain, but it's not going to, it's going to be uh, stoppable because that next 15 days, uh, we're going to see people getting out uh, and and spending, right? Uh, you know, penned up spending, so to speak. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna see that, and I think we'll be able to head off a catastrophe. If it's thirty days, forty five days, uh, it's going to be very very difficult. It would be hard. What about all those billionaires? Michael Bloomberg, I think I read this morning, was going to give billions of dollars to Africa to fight coronavirus. And I'm thinking, what about your own country that you wanted to run when you were trying to run for president? What about these leftist billionaires? Why don't they shore up the economy a little bit? They've got an awful lot of money to to spend and to help invest. It's They're always screaming about the government helping everybody else. What about the private sector helping people too? Well, that would um, require them, the billionaires, to take their ideology and put it in a dark closet somewhere for a while. Yeah. Um, they're not going to be willing to do it. You know, they look at everything through an ideological lens and uh, political correctness, and they really aren't capable of uh, making the right decision at the time. They, those, these ideolo- ideological blinders have really impaired their, their vision. And, you know, it, it reminds us, Janet, it reminds us of we've, the fact that we've never had a president like this. Ronald Reagan, yes, probably, but as outspoken about America first. Yes. So you got Bloomberg running for president that is, isn't even thinking about the American people. No. <laughs> with his billions of dollars. Right. This is a president that cares about America. You know, uh, yesterday in his press conference, uh, was a, it was in the 11, 30, 12 o'clock Eastern time, uh, one of the reporters said, you know, how can you keep saying 
that this is about China. How can you keep saying you're hurting the Chinese people by doing that? You're you're creating a racist kind of attitude. Yeah. He, and she said, how can you keep saying that? He said, because it came from China. That's right. The Chinese virus. And moved on to the next call, yeah. Yeah. The next, uh, question. And, you know, it's it's just he's not a you know, uh, there's no trying to politicize this and be gentle and politically correct. Um, you know, that's. You know, that's what we need right now. And and all these billionaires, I don't know what what they're all going to do, but, uh, you know, we see Bloomberg. I think it's so ironic that, I, you know, we want to help. Um, America wants to help everybody, but America in their helping everybody has never been in a place uh, like this in my lifetime right. that we've got to help each other. That's right. That's right. And that's got to be first. Well, you're right, Dan. And and this extends to churches as well. I have seen yeah. pastors out there on social media saying, listen, we understand for health reasons why we need to shut things down if they have a big church. We don't want people to get sick, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other hand, we continue to need donations in order to keep operations going, pay the salaries, keep the lights on, that sort of thing. What are your thoughts on the financial crisis the shutdown might have on churches, even the big ones with building programs who are deeply in debt? How do you see that whole situation? situation yeah I think it's I, I, I probably tend to be a little bit more I, a little bit more optimistic than the reality is I mean I think about it from our ministry you know it's we're in the same situation I mean we operate on on uh, giving on donations from right, our right. from our listeners and viewers and partners but uh, churches I think people of faith here's what's going to happen Janet this is again uh, uh, a, a pretty optimistic view but uh, maybe naive view, but I think that people are going to cling tight to their money a little bit more. They're going to be concerned. But, you know, there's going to be a period of reflection from believers for the next 15 days, 20 days, 30 days, whatever it is. And, and I believe that we're already seeing uh, the results of some of this reflecting. And I think they're going to come to the realization, I, I, I pray and hope, that we got to keep the church doors open. We're going to need those churches, and we need to keep those church doors open, and we need to uh, maybe not support every little ministry. Some ministries will suffer, but we've got to keep our church doors open. My hope is, Janet, that churches realize that they can't just look within either, that churches have to begin. This is an opportunity for churches to do what uh, God tells them they should do, and that is influence the world, right. not be influenced by the world. Right. And this is going to be an opportunity for both um, individuals like you and I and, and uh, pastors, too, to reflect on what their role is in all this. And the Church's role is to influence the community for Christ and to be there for the community. And the Church, uh, uh, the congregations need to support that. And I, I pray and hope that this time of reflection, of being together for the fa- with family, you know, my wife and I were driving down the street the other night, we were saying, think about how many families are eating dinner together tonight. Yes. That, that wouldn't have normally. Right. And the hope is that they come to the realization of the benefit and the health of that as a family. So... I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we, we've got to be praying through that. I think pastors, uh, heads of ministries, we've got to be in a place 
where we can have an impact for the community, whether it's you and I on the airwaves, whether it's a pastor one-on-one in the community in some way, and trust that God is going to honor that and that they'll be okay. Are they, would they have to cut back on some staff maybe? Will they have to do something to uh, uh, shore up their budget? Maybe. But let's trust God that uh, he's going to raise up people that are going to come alongside them, the people in their, in their congregation. And uh, it is really going to be a time that we really examine our faith and now put our faith to work. Well, that's say, right. I got to hold on to my money. But you know what? Giving to the church is probably a little bit more important than our grip right now. And I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm probably very naive uh, in, in all of that, but I sure hope that's the way it goes. You know, when the tax laws changed and everybody was calling me for interviews to see what this was going to do to the church, I said, I don't think it's going to impact the church. Is it going to impact Salvation Army? Hopefully impact Planned Parenthood <laughs> and other nonprofits? Yes. Yeah, right. You know what? I think people of faith are going to continue to give because I'm hoping that they don't give because they're getting a deduction on their taxes. Right. And you know what? It did hold up. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. You know, just a couple of minutes we've got left in the segment. But, Dan, I wanted to get to this question before we had to let you go. What would you recommend people do about their investments right now? Clearly, there's a lot of pain when people are looking at the market going up and down, the 401k. What do I do with my money? What are you telling people? Just simple advice for people right now. I'm I'm just telling people, to do what is very counterintuitive, but to hold on and don't do anything. Yeah. First of all, don't look at their money. Don't look at it. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, I haven't looked at my IRA statement in six weeks. I'm not going to. I, and I'm, not, I'm very disciplined. I'm not going to change. But don't buy in to this notion that they always do that Americans do, we do things based on news. So in bad news, we get out of our investment. Yes. Good news, we get into our investment. And we're doing the opposite of what we should do. We're selling low and we're buying high. Exactly. And it's it's not a good recipe. This is, all of these things that we are suffering are transitory. We have an oil crisis that nobody uh, expected, and we have this virus. They're temporary. They will pass. And when they do, we will regenerate. And in, a, in you know, a year, two years, we'll be, their investments will be right back up there. But it's awfully hard to stay put. So I ask them to just not look and have faith that it's another downturn. 2007, everything came back. Uh, 9-11, Things came back yep. in 40 days, but that was not a transitory. That was a one-time event. But nonetheless, these things happen. And uh, a short of a depression, uh, things are going to come back and they'll be fine. And don't, don't react to things because they think it's going to be a depression. We have some time. Let's wait it out. Let's see what happens. Exactly. And uh, hang in there. Yeah. 
without making too many changes. Well, I think that's really good advice. And if you're diversified, obviously, most people will be somewhat diversified if they're in the market anyway. Um, The pain will not maybe be as great as you're even scared that it will be. So you just, exactly, but you just don't panic. I think that that's always sound advice from an investment perspective. Check out financialissues.org. Dan Celia with us. Dan, thank you for calming us down. It's great to have you here. (laughs) Jana, it was a joy to be with you. I sure appreciate all that you're doing. God bless. You too. Thanks, Dan. God bless you. We'll be back right after this. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, we are very, very thankful to each of you who have been giving to our Bible League campaign. This is a really important outreach, and I know this is a difficult time for a lot of people. There's a lot of uncertainty going on, but we are really honored here at Janet Meffer today to partner with Bible League. They are doing some of the most important ministry anywhere, and that is getting the Word of God into the hands of new believers, particularly persecuted Christians across the globe. You know, in our modern era, 2018 was the most violent year for Christians all across the world. Christians have now been determined to be the most persecuted religious group on earth. And the influence of Islam exists on nearly every continent, especially in places like Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Middle East. And there has been an incredible response to the gospel all across these areas around the world. It's really exciting. Many new Christians living under persecution often begin their new life in Christ, though, without a Bible. So we are trying to raise enough money to send 1,200 Bibles to these persecuted Christians. And because of this match that is going on right now, whatever you are able to give will be doubled. So we will be able to send 2,400 Bibles across the world with the match. It costs $5 to send one Bible. A gift of $35 will send seven Bibles and a gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles in the language of these new Christians all across the world. It's a wonderful opportunity to get God's word into the hands of the new baby Christians who need it the most. So if you are able to give, we appreciate it so very much. This is the number to call. It's 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, which is 800 937 9673. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMeffer.com. Thank you so much for whatever you can do. I guess we're just still talking about the coronavirus, and I'm very much aware that we it. there are lots of things that are always going on in God's world, not just this, but this is so front burner, and it's so important in so many people's lives. I know a lot of you are sitting at home listening because you're not at work or you're not at school. Your kids are home for spring break. You're not able to go much of anywhere, and so you got to find out what's going on, so we're going to try to tell you about it. One of the things I wanted to go back to, and I had mentioned this on yesterday's show just briefly, 
Daily is how churches are responding to the coronavirus crisis, the pandemic, the shutdown, all the stuff that's going on right now where we're supposed to be in place, don't get together in groups of more than 50, and it could get even more severe as time goes along. But I have been very interested to see the differences in the way some churches are handling the coronavirus situation. On the one hand, you have churches that are closing down. They are churches of more than 250 or maybe even less, but they have enough people who come to church on any given Sunday that they don't want to risk getting anybody sick. They don't want people to be exposed to the coronavirus. You never know who has it. We've all heard these warnings about the fact that you could be a carrier without any symptoms. And so we've all heard that stuff. So a lot of churches are really trying to be as cautious as possible. And in being cautious, they have heard from other people, you are really doing the wrong thing. You know, and I've heard this argument. I've heard this argument from a number of people as you're looking across the internet and listening to people talk about this. Don't you trust God? Don't you trust God? It's not right to forsake the assembling of believers as we are commanded in scripture to do. So are you trusting God? Also, are you capitulating to government rather than obeying God? Because God has said we shouldn't forsake the assembly. All right, well, my response to that is that I think this is not a situation where the government is singling out churches and closing them down because they don't like the church. That's what's happening in places like China. They don't like Christian churches. They don't like Christianity. Christianity is a huge threat to the communist government because these are people who are worshiping God Almighty, not the state. And so there is a philosophical problem and a political problem for the Communist Party. So they want churches to close. But that's a completely different situation than what is going on now. For one thing, it's a matter of health and safety. It's not a matter of we don't like Christianity, so you're going to have to shut down. Also, they're not singling out churches. They're not going to churches and saying, you, ne- you guys need to shut down. Everybody else can stay open. I mean, good grief, hotels are closing down and the casinos in Las Vegas are closing down. Praise God, I think that should be permanent. And you have all sorts of things. Everything is closing down. Disney World is closing down, for heaven's sake. We have all across the, the spectrum of society, closures, schools, you know, everybody. It seems everybody is closing everything down. They're closing down beaches in Tampa, Florida. So th- this is something that is society-wide. The other aspect of it is that it is temporary, hopefully. I mean, it's temporary. It should be for the next few weeks. It's not expected to be the case three years from now that we're all going to be sitting in our houses and, you know, twiddling our thumbs or playing categories another time. I, I think this is going to be somewhat temporary. So I get a little impatient with people who are saying you shouldn't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. That's a violation of scripture. We do have the internet. You can watch your pastor preach on the internet. It's not the same thing. I know it's not the same thing as getting together, but you also have your family at home. And for a lot of us, you can also get by for a few weeks by maybe watching your church service online or your pastor preaching online. And you can pray together. You can read the Bible together. You can sing some hymns of praise together. And for a few weeks, you can get by doing that. Is that really a big sin? I don't think that's a big sin. I think that's being prudent. Because what would happen if all the churches in America of 250 or more decided to violate the government's rules and say, or guidelines, as the case may be, depending on your state, and meet together and a whole lot of people got sick and a number of them died? 
I, I don't think that that's the right thing to do either. So as I'm telling you about this, I come across this story and I have to play these cuts for you so you can listen for yourself to what Life Tabernacle Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, decided to do about the coronavirus. Listen to cut one. A pastor in the city of Central tonight defied the governor's order and welcomed several hundred people into his church service. After the service, police arrived. You see the police right there. They were talking with the pastor. He says this officer told him if he has any more services with more than 50 people, the National Guard would be sent in to break it up. Lester Dewey is in Central tonight with this one, Lester. I'd say close to 100 people are inside Life Tabernacle here in Central for their Tuesday night prayer services, disregarding what the governor and the president are saying about trying to limit the spread of the coronavirus. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me. Singing songs of praise and worship, many people of faith gathered at Life Tabernacle Church in the city of Central Tuesday evening. It's one of the three services here on a weekly basis. By the time the service got fully underway, the church had more than 300 people in attendance. We want to bring them, uh, some peace. We want to bring some sanctity to this madness that's going on in our society tonight. Some of the Sunday masses even attract more than a thousand people, says Reverend Tony Spell of the church, with buses sent out to pick some folks up as well. And he's not stopping over fears of the coronavirus, despite government mandates. Encourage other religious leaders and churches like us. Uh, do not let the fear of persecution of any government official, uh, any dictator law, prevent you from worshiping God, which our First Amendment states you are not allowed to do in any form. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and comment that I don't believe this is a First Amendment issue. I don't believe it's a First Amendment issue. It's prudence. It's trying to use wisdom. And I think God also calls us to use wisdom. You know, viruses do not differentiate between Christians and non-Christians. It is the case that every single Christian who's lived in the past has also died of something, whether or not it was a heart attack or a stroke or cancer or a car accident or maybe a virus. Every Christian will die just as every non-Christian will die because the wages of sin is death. So it is not, I think, a good idea to try to make this a First Amendment issue. You have the First Amendment right to assemble Yes, but why in the world would you want to assemble right now when you could potentially be putting people in harm's way? Why would you want to risk that? Now, for some churches, I think it's a financial consideration. They don't want to lose the offerings. I hate to be that crass, but there are churches out there that are, you know, rightly concerned about how they will keep the lights on, as we just discussed with Dan Celia. But I'll have more to say on this when we come back. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Stay with us. How much is one life worth? Most of us would say life is priceless, and we'd be right. After all, what is the value of someone created in the image of God? We're asking Janet Meffer today listeners, just like you, to help us save babies through the ministry of preborn. How does preborn save babies? Through ultrasounds. Preborn works with hundreds of pro-life pregnancy centers across America, providing free ultrasounds for women in crisis pregnancies. And 80% of the time, when a mother sees her little baby on an ultrasound, she'll choose life. 
It's that easy. We need your help to support the vital work of preborn in saving human lives. For your gift of $28, you can provide a free ultrasound to a mom in a crisis pregnancy. And for a gift of $140, you can provide five ultrasounds to five mothers. All you have to do is call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you for saving a baby's life. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. From now through April, Janet Mefford today is partnering with Bible League to send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians around the world. Can you help? Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. As we are talking about the coronavirus crisis, it does affect us as Christians. It does affect our churches. I was playing for you a little cut from WAFB in central Louisiana about the pastor of a church called Life Tabernacle Church, who is defying the governor, John Bell Edwards, who has issued an order banning groups larger than 50 people from gathering at any one time. Reverend Tony Spell went ahead. He thinks this whole thing is politically motivated. He went ahead with a Tuesday night service at which 305 people showed up. And he mentioned to this TV station that the National Guard may stop him the next time he tries to do it. And that's what the police had told him. Now, I want to play the rest of this audio for you before we go on. But again, here here's the rest of the story about Life Tabernacle Church. This is cut two. Governor Edwards has passed a proclamation banning any groups over 50 from gathering in one place because of coronavirus, and that includes churches. I happen to believe very much in the awesome power of prayer. Uh, I also believe in science, and the scientists at the CDC say that the measures we are taking will minimize the spread. Our church is in a hospital where the sick can come and get healing. Cancers are healed here. Uh, people are healed of HIV in these services. So we believe that, um, and tonight we're also going to pass out anointed handkerchiefs to people who may have fear, who may have a sickness, and we believe when those anointed handkerchiefs go, that healing virtue is going to go on them as well. And the faithful of the church say they are not going anywhere as well. I just love it. I love Pastor Spear giving me the word. I love it for being that the man he is. No, I'm not just in my church because no coronavirus. I love the Lord too much, and I know he's going to take care of us. Reverend Spell says he has no plans on shutting down his church anytime soon. In Central, Lester Dewey, WAFB, 9 News. All right, minutes ago, we got a statement from the police chief in Central. He says his officers will respond to groups larger than 50, adding, this is not a political issue, but a matter of public health. Okay, now I think that that particular audio cut says a lot more than the first one did. Cancers are being healed inside this church. HIV is being healed. And 
He's going to pass out anointed handkerchiefs so the healing virtue will go on the congregation as well. Okay, none of this is biblical. I mean, you can be healed of cancer, obviously. Anointed handkerchiefs, where is that in the Bible? So what are you going to do if somebody comes in with a severe cough and a fever and you suspect the person might have coronavirus, just put an anointed handkerchief, whatever that is, on top of them and God will heal that person? That's that's ridiculous. That's that's the stuff of this super charismatic, you know, super healing stuff, the apostolic. What do they call themselves? Life Tabernacle Church, the apostolics of God. So I don't know if this is a new apostolic reformation church or what have you. But, you know, when you start talking about anointed handkerchiefs, you lose me. God does heal and God can heal. But we're also told that we should not tempt him. We do not tempt God. We do not test God in the way that I think some of these people are doing with just a defiant attitude. Have some humility. You're only flesh and blood. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. And I I understand that Christians can feel differently about this. I'm not going to condemn somebody who says, I think the churches should stay open. But I don't think people should condemn those who say they ought to close down for a little bit. If it were permanently, I'd have a much bigger problem with that. Now, I go to another story here from First Things. And this is from R.R. Reno, who's been on the show before. We've interviewed him before. But this is from a Roman Catholic perspective. And the headline says, keep the churches open. So I thought it would be interesting to share a little bit of his reasoning. Canceling church services is the wrong response to the coronavirus pandemic. When we worship, we join the Christian rebellion against the false lordship of the principalities and powers that claim to rule our lives, including sickness and death. This does not mean carelessness about our health, nor does it mean indifference to the health of others. Instead, it means that as Christians, we have higher priorities Our end is in God. The coronavirus pandemic is serious. Perhaps political leaders are correct to take stern measures to slow the spread of the virus, although I am increasingly convinced that we may look back and judge the shutdown of the global economy, an ill-advised course of action, no matter how dangerous the virus is for those vulnerable to complications. But whatever our judgments about public policy, church leaders need to resist the temptation to imitate the worldliness of those who work for public health. The church's concern should be to sustain the spiritual health of those entrusted to her care. But again, my argument is this, if it's for two weeks, I don't think the church is failing to provide spiritual care. I'm sure anybody who is housebound who needs spiritual care can call the pastor and the pastor will come over. Maybe not in a huge church, but by and large, most of us attend smaller churches. You know, the mega churches are one thing, but there are a lot of churches with just one or 200 people and the pastor could show up if you really needed care. Closing churches and canceling services betrays this duty of spiritual care, he says. Many are speaking of death and disaster. Social media whips up fear. Stern faces on TV tell us how many people are infected. Cancellations cascade into our inboxes. In this environment, the faithful need spiritual truths from their church leaders, not recapitulations of public health bulletins and exhortations to wash their hands. He says, I was shocked to learn that entire dioceses have suspended public celebration of the Eucharist. Again, this guy's Catholic. Bishop Anthony Taylor of Little Rock, Arkansas, suspended public masses through Holy Week, effectively canceling Easter for most Catholics under his care. To this point, the Archbishop of New York has not gone so far, but he has also suspended public masses for the time being, hoping perhaps that the all-clear signal will be sounded before Easter. And he goes on about more cancellations in Rome. Of course, coronavirus is raging in Italy. And so that's uh, obviously an issue over there. 
Then he comes back to Little Rock. The diocesan chancellor intoned that suspension of public masses is a preventative measure for our more vulnerable populations. The sentiment is fitting, but the practical judgment wrong-headed. Another archbishop took the correct approach. He lifted the Sunday obligation for Catholics in his archdiocese. Elderly people and those with medical conditions need to be cautious. Church leaders are wise to give the faithful full scope for prudent judgment about risk, not just to oneself, but to others as well. Some will say, but the pious elderly will be tempted to come nonetheless so we have to institute a blanket suspension of the mass this is a damaging spiritual paternalism i guarantee you that most catholics over 80 have a far better sense of what's best for their physical and spiritual welfare than a nervous diocesan chancellor worried about the image problems that might arise if a coronavirus hotspot is traced to a parish or church activity so that's his perspective again i don't know how much of that will go back to the catholic view of the eucharist as well because there is a much different view transubstantiation in the catholic church you are literally taking christ's body and blood is what they believe so that may be playing into some of the mentality as well but I don't think I, I, I don't think you're going to lack spiritual care if you don't go to church for a couple of weeks. I don't. I would rather people be healthy. If you have an alternative, what? And think about this for a moment. Think about all the people throughout the world who have to have church in their homes because they're not allowed to have church out in public. Think about the Christians in Iran. Now it's not ideal. You certainly wish they could have churches. You wish they could worship Jesus Christ openly, but they're not allowed to. So they never go to church. They're having worship services in their homes. Same in North Korea, same in China. This happens all over the world. I'm not saying we should imitate that, but are those Christians sinning because they're not in a public worship service? I would say no. And again, you go back to the money issue and it's not insignificant. If you have a loss of tithing and a loss of collections, then it is going to affect the church. How much depends on the church and how much the church would be in debt and all the rest. And and that is an issue. And I don't have an easy answer for that. But I do know this. This is from the Sacramento Bee. They were talking about all these congregations that are deciding to shut down and restrict services because of coronavirus. And they said this, the need for isolation was made all the more clear this week with the death of a congregant and the spread of coronavirus through a Sacramento church. The spread of the virus at the Faith Presbyterian Church in the Greenhaven neighborhood presented a number of looming questions for religious leaders to consider. Funerals must be conducted, rites of passage observed, important holidays are on the horizon, most notably, yeah, this is Sacramento, Ramadan, and then Easter, and then Passover. Now, let's put Easter first, guys. Easter, yes, that's the most important day of the year. The thought of canceling these services or moving them online would be rare, if not unprecedented, since the flu pandemic of 1918. Really? They they moved services online in 1918? <laughs> they need an editor over here at the Sacramento Bee. At any rate, I don't think that it's something we should mess around with. I don't think that we should put people's lives potentially at stake, especially if you have a congregation where a lot of older people attend. I just think that prudence and wisdom would dictate that you just make do for a few weeks until the 15-day window passes. Isn't that what the president has been talking about? We have 15 days to slow the spread. It's not that long. I think we can all get by. And Christian radio is a wonderful blessing in the interim. Might I add the great ministries that you hear on this radio station, and hopefully we're contributing to your spiritual health as well. But everybody stay well, not just by washing your hands, but spend more time in the Word of God. Study your Bibles more. Read some good Christian books. Really, really dig in. 
because sometimes the gift of time is a really good gift to have in spite of everything else that's going on. So pray for this country and stay well. We'll see you next time here on Janet Meffer Today. Today.